Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Action Community Studios on this Thursday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke. Wolf's not here. K-Ray's here. K-Ray, what's going on? Back for more, my friend. Well, I assume you saw that ASU basketball game last night, and you're like, we got to do four hours on this. <laughs> What just happened? What was was, was it? Dinner with my uh, my kids last night. We were doing our Christmas dinner, and we were sitting out on the patio, and they they got monitors out on the patio, and that game happened to be on. And you know, my son's a huge Sun Devil fan, and um, we look up and we're like, "Wow, you know, so eleven two, sixteen two. 21-3. Like, what? what is happening? I, I can't tell if that was the sort of game that was worse to just watch or watch the way you just described. Because I was watching it in a similar way because we're getting ready for the Coyotes game. And every time I looked up, I was like, all right, okay, it's, uh, it's 41 to 11. Hmm. <laughs> Don't often see that. That's right. 41 to 11. Right. But then you look over at the Warriors game last night and they were down 91-51 at halftime. So maybe, maybe it's just a basketball thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we got a lot to get into because we don't have a show tomorrow. So we have a lot to get into because the Suns have a very big weekend against the top two teams in the Western Conference. We've got uh, the Suns playing on Christmas and the Cardinals playing on Christmas. We're going to talk to Rick Stroud, get his thoughts on Tampa Bay in a little bit. We'll play some Fulcrum football, five-star games. Kellen Olsen's going to join us and more. How's that? I'm just going to leave it open-ended beyond uh, Love that. it. Love having uh, Mr. Kellen Olsen on. And he's here. He's I already I, seen, Yeah, I saw him when yeah. I walked in. It's like, well, you, you didn't have to get here three hours in or for the, <laughs> early for the interview, but he was he just kind of looked at me like, "Why are you talking to me?" I'm, this is this is what I do, man. Yeah, I'm cracking the code of basketball. Stop interrupting. Uh, all right, so let's start with um, let's start NFL and let's start with the Arizona Cardinals game and the fact that Trace McSorley is starting on Sunday and he spoke yesterday. No, I mean it's hard not to think about you know, the opportunity um, that's here that's kind of presented itself. Like I said, obviously you don't want to get it kind of how. It's happened with you know guys going down with uh, some injuries and stuff, but um, just going about it one day at a time, you know, focusing on things and controlling things that I can control. Um, but then you know, at some point, it, it's an exciting opportunity, and you know, I always want to let myself feel that excitement and, and feel that a little bit just so I can uh, enjoy the moment. But at the same time, just being focused and ready to go. You know. This is admittedly a struggle to come up with meaningful storylines in these last three games that are legitimately meaningful. You know what I mean? Like, if you're on the team, that's one thing you're playing. You're playing an NFL game. I don't think it would really be that hard. Um, You'd obviously rather be playing for a playoff spot, but I think, you know, like James Conner was saying the other day, he's he's approaching this like it's a must-win game. Well, he's out there. He's playing. He can control it. You know what I mean? Like, he can control his role in it. So, yeah, you got to approach it that way. As far as as our perspective, or at least my perspective, K-Ray, like, other than some of those young defensive players continuing to get better, um, I guess Trace McSorley is the story on offense because you need to see what you have in him in the next three games. It's it's kind of like a like a, a ramped up preseason basically because his preseason for next year is stepping in against Tom Brady in a game Brady kind of needs to make the playoffs. Well, yeah, you're you're facing what you would 
presume would be a very desperate Tampa Bay team um, and a a Tampa Bay team that has had, I mean, they they are the proverbial split personality uh, club this year. I mean, the NFC South is where the NFC East was about three years ago uh, when Washington, you know, limped in with a sub 500 record. Right now, all of a sudden, the Carolina Panthers still have an outside shot at, at grabbing a division title. So you would think that Tampa Bay comes in here extremely ramped up, motivated. Um, but that being said, I think they've shown motivated the motivation of the past, but they're just their inability to execute has what I think left everybody so incredibly puzzled, uh, including those who cover the team. And we're going to be talking to, to Rick Stroud, I guess, coming up at the bottom of the hour. But yeah, for, for Trace, it's an opportunity and the, as you point out, the, the organization, an opportunity to see him in, in a full game, hopefully a full game setting. But <laughs> I guess we can't just assume that this year, right. can we? <laughs> um, but yeah, eight, eighth career game, I believe, for, for him. Um, and you want to see, like, not just a game, but a full week of prep, you know, taking number one snaps, everything leading up to it. Because if you're a, a coach on this coaching staff, and right now they're operating under the assumption that we'll be back. So I want to see how this guy handles practice reps. I want to see all the little details leading up to the game and then the game itself. You referenced the NFC South. Just doing the quick math, that division is combined 21 and 35. And if you want perspective, the NFC West, the Cardinals have been bad and the Rams have been bad, and the division's still better at 25 and 31 than the NFC South. Because <laughs> when, you, when you say you figure Tampa will be playing with some desperation, I agree with you, except now that I look at the schedule, that is Sunday evening, so they will have seen everybody else in their division already lose by, by that point in the week, right? Like you figure Atlanta will lose to Baltimore on Saturday. Let's see. Um, I'm just assuming that New Orleans will lose to Cleveland. That's that's on Saturday. So it's very possible that Tampa will come in with a game-and-a-half lead on everybody. It's it, That division, it, it's just unbelievable. But when you, you bring up McSorley, if, if you are Trace McSorley, this is a huge opportunity. If you go out there and play well against Tampa and you play well next week, I'm assuming he would be the starter. We don't know that. But if, if you play well in these final three games, it is putting, it's not just putting yourself on film and putting good film out there. You're doing it in actual games. So it's not like, hey, this guy came in in the fourth quarter of the third preseason game. It's like, no, he played well and, and he hurt Tom Brady's chances to make the playoffs or he played well and he took Tampa or Atlanta out or <laughs> played well against San Francisco. I don't know. Good luck with that. But, so for McSorley, there's a ton on the line. I got to be honest, though, from from an outside perspective, I don't know if there's anything he can do in these last three games where I'd be like, oh, start him at the beginning of next year. You know what I mean? Right. No, for, for him, it's really about stacking good on good. And and the thing that I would remind the fans, you know, a, a good day for Trace McSorley can't be solely based on, you know, did he have three touchdown passes and zero interception and, and his quarterback rating. It, and that's why I say it, it will go back for this coaching staff specifically to see his week of pre- preparation, how he is processing what they're giving him. Can he digest everything? And he's been in the system long enough that he should be able to. He should to. be able to, yeah. But for outsiders, you know, 
they will make the determination. Uh, I mean, he maybe passes for 168 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Maybe the Cardinals don't win, but in the eyes of the guys who really know the game, they say, we see something in this guy. And the Cardinals can say the same thing with those same numbers. So it, it's not just down to a win or a loss or if he passes you know, for, for big numbers. It's about the, the big picture. And I think for Trace McSorley, that's the important thing as a young player to remember. It's like you don't have to go out and have a quarterback rating of 112 and, you know, three touchdowns and no interceptions. There, there's a way of getting people's attention without putting up some kind of monster numbers or being impacted by the team's win or loss. Especially the behind the scenes stuff you're talking about, too, because if you. I'm distracted by the dancing Jaguars mascot on the TV, and I, was, <laughs> I think I might need we, to just leave now. We, we were talking about the outside. We, I was in Jacksonville last week, and he was bungeeing off the top of the stadium, and that very topic came up. Uh, apparently, there were a number of people from the stadium who filed complaints because they <laughs> thought that he was really wearing <laughs> no clothes. So uh, it was disturbing. I hadn't seen it until just now. I don't remember what I was trying and, to say. And admittedly, while you were talking, I looked yeah, up and you, couldn't get you it's can't like, miss it. It's like the car wreck. It's like, I shouldn't look, but man, I really need to look. I, I think it's actually the playoff tiebreaker for Jacksonville, too. If they are tied with the Jets at the end of the season, they'll be like, well, your mascot looked like he was dancing naked. If in the that end zone, dude is so running sorry. around when Tennessee is in town, yeah. that's a, that's a sure win. <laughs> uh, no, but what you were saying as far as the behind-the-scenes stuff with McSorley, you got to be real here, too. If he prepares and he has a good week of practice and he does it again next week and does it again next week, that certainly helps his chances of catching back on with the Cardinals next year. But there's also the reality that we don't know who's going to be coaching the Cardinals next year. It might be Cliff and the staff, totally, and then it would help him. If not, those guys may be spread out all over the league, and that actually would maybe help McSorley have an in on other teams. Uh, just It's big for him, It's but I keep coming back to the thought of, I don't think there's anything he could do in these three games where I'd be like, oh, you know what? Maybe just make him the starter and Colt the backup to start next season. There's Short of throwing five touchdowns and no interceptions every game, we're not going to be comfortable with that. Uh, we come back over to basketball. New ownership is in place for the Suns that make it easier to make some trades and player acquisitions. Well, James Jones weighed in, and he's the guy that would know, so we'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. how like ridiculous the last uh, week and a half has been in the city for sports right I mean or let's just go last two weeks Kyler Murray was still playing two weeks ago or planning to play uh, you have all the Steve Kime stuff you have a couple more Cardinals losses all of a sudden the Suns have an owner <laughs> I mean, this wait is, what yeah like this <laughs> is just, it's, it, there's nothing good going on on the field with the Cardinals right now, but in terms of things like changing rapidly around the city, they, they definitely are with the sports teams. James Jones was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and they asked him about, uh, you know, now you, that the sale is going through, you've got Matt Ishbia running the team or owning the team soon. Does that 
open up the doors for you to make trades. Here's what James Jones had to say. I think it'll be status quo for a minute. I mean, those are conversations we'll eventually have, so I, I expect to get some clarity. Um, I just don't know the timing of it. Right? It could be from day one, you know, this is where we want to take the franchise. It could be, hey, let's sit back and, and evaluate and see see how it progresses before we decide what we do next. So, yeah. um, in any event, it'll, it'll be, you know, just an, an opportunity for us to move forward and uh, to kind of focus a little bit more on basketball and, and not be distracted by some of the things off the court. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. The good news is certainly now you've got an owner and it sure seems like he's going to be invested in winning. Now, you know, how does that are we saying still in five years that he's willing to put his money in that position to win? Who knows? There's no way to know five years from now. But it, I, I, like I said yesterday, I like the idea that he is emotionally invested in winning and owning a basketball team. So that, that typically translates in a good way. The other thing, though, and I had to start driving over, like if I'm James Jones or anybody really other than Devin Booker, it's new ownership. So it's not like new ownership's going to come in and clear out James Jones. He's done a really good job. And they're right. going to clear out Monty Williams. But it is, it's a new guy at the very top. So you know, there's probably going to be, it's going to be a little bit different for everybody here for the first, I don't know, whenever it starts, whenever he officially takes over for a little bit, because he's going to have his ways he wants things done. And that's going to be a little bit different than it was before. Yeah. And one of the things that, that I, and I'm sure most everyone was, was very curious to get a, a sense of, which is the timeline, mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it, it's Everybody gets euphoric. Oh, you know, new owner, the sale is through. And whoo. And I kept using the word clarity yesterday. Yes, there's clarity. But this isn't like, you know, uh, the closing date on your house in 30 days. You know, uh, yeah. you're closing the couple of the stories that I've read. They're talking February, March yeah. before this thing could be f- approved by the board, uh, the league board of governors. So I. You know, one of the, the questions that uh, that I would love to to get additional clarity on is like, okay, so how how does that work? Especially considering the trade deadline being in February, and seven weeks from today. Yeah, <laughs> but who's counting? Right, <laughs> not seven that, weeks. I'm counting. Twelve yeah. hours, thirty three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> see, let's do uh, the math on that. But you know, how how does that work in the interim for James Jones? Um, and you know, can he? I guess, operate freely under the belief and assumption that this will get approved. I mean, you and I chatted yesterday about this, that you would you would think that there has been a fair amount of vetting that took place already yeah. based on the statement from Robert Sarver in regards to why he chose Ishbia for this, because clearly there were other people. We had seen the report, what, two or three weeks ago that they had finalized the two groups. Uh, so multiple groups had put in a bid. But what does that timeline look like for James Jones? You know, what kind of communication can and will he be able to have with Matt and Justin Ishbia in order to orchestrate a deal if it something were to come to fruition? Like if he's got something on the table, can he run that by with the understanding like this is 99.9% done, so move forward. Yeah, time, timing is obviously everything here. And I, 
you know, it's a different league, but I remember working for the Coyotes when the league ran them for a little bit. And the, that was, you know, the Coyotes were a decent team. They were a playoff team at that point, you know, or, or right around the playoffs. And, and you know, that was the year right after I think they were in the Western Conference Finals. Or actually, I think it was during. And they've obviously had some ownership changes. But specifically when they were a playoff team, again, a different league. But the league was kind of like, yeah, go ahead and make moves and we'll sign off. But we're not going to do anything huge, obviously, either. Right. And the Coyotes at that time didn't necessarily need to. Hockey's not basketball. Your roster's bigger. You know what I mean? Uh, in basketball, and specifically with the Phoenix Suns right now, they may feel like they need to make a big move. Every time we say Suns and trade, Kevin Durant pops up on that TV over there. Is this <laughs> like, I feel like I'm in the Truman Show right now. Um, I, I, it's, I just I wonder... Not that it's holding the Suns back. It doesn't sound like it has been when you hear James Jones talk yesterday to Burns and Gambo. But I do wonder about the timing of if this isn't like finalized, like done, and he has taken over by February 9th, which is the trade deadline. Does it mean the Suns can still make moves, but they can't pull off a blockbuster? Because you're not going to trade for a guy like Durant, or you're not going to trade away a guy like DeAndre Ayton. And maybe these things were never going to happen anyway. But... You're not going to do that if you don't have total ownership approval because whatever you do, if it's that big, it's not just a two or three month thing. You know, this is going to be something that alters the course of your franchise for the next three, four, five years. Right. Yeah. It, it's like, um, well, you, you know, it's like, okay, here's your, here's your trade budget now. Yeah. <laughs> This is what you got to work with. Yeah, you know, like this is this is this is the window. This these are the parameters of which you can go up to. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. And they shouldn't need anything huge. I mean, realistically, with the Suns, they are a title contender. Do they need to add something probably to beat? everybody and actually win the title? Yeah, probably. I mean, mo- and the other thing you got to remember is most of these other teams like Boston, Milwaukee, they probably will add somebody too. Well, that's the thing. You, you, you have to project not only for your team, but looking at what the other teams around you, um, specifically in the Western Conference, their strengths, weaknesses, needs, whether it be due to inferior play, Injuries, you know, long-term injuries, those type of things. But as we've seen here in the Western Conference, and I do not see this changing, you know, as the Utah Jazz will show you, you can be in the the top spot in a four or five game losing streak because the Suns experienced it to a degree. You can go from one to six real quick. Not a big game separation, but I don't see that changing. So that, that last week to 10 days could very much be for the first time in a long time where you truly have teams jockeying to a avoid the play in and b trying to avoid potential matchups so you could go from 1 to 4 real quick who was it was it the clippers a couple years ago everybody thought they purposely kind of dropped down a spot i only remember who it was to avoid but it almost burned them anyway so right that was typical clippers right there <laughs> uh no you're right though i mean we were talking to Eddie Johnson about this yesterday there's there's so much parody in the NBA right now, which for me, I like because there was a stretch there where at the start of the season, you could say it's one of these three teams and that was it. And and the rest of it, you know, there's, there's all these different storylines and the NBA is good at building them up throughout the course of the season, but you always knew in the back of your mind, yeah, but this doesn't really impact the, who's going to win the title. It's not the case this year. I mean, you could, you could, I used to do this with a few friends and one of us would get to pick like four teams and everybody else got all the other teams right and that was sort of the contest for the year uh you couldn't do that now if i if i told you k ray you get to pick four teams you you could you would obviously take the four favorites 
but I wouldn't be that upset if I got the other 26 teams and whoever gets whoever wins the final ends up winning because there's there's more than four teams that could do it this year. There's, right. there's four probable. I don't know if you want Boston, Milwaukee, what Suns? I guess probably still Warriors. I would throw the Pelicans in there. Those are probably the four or five main teams. But there's uh, definitely yeah. five other ones that could. Do, don't do not sleep on that club rolling in here tomorrow. I know. I know. That 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 team. I mean, EJ and I have had this conversation. I know he has said it countless times on his show. If Ja Morant does not get injured last year. I, I feel very strong in saying and yeah. confident in saying that the Golden State Warriors would not have gotten past the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, that would have changed everything then. Would have changed everything. And this team is healthy, and one guy in particular is healthy right now, balling out Jaron Jackson Jr. Well, I'm sure we'll talk to, to Kellen later on in the show about it, but that is a team. And, oh, by the way, Desmond Bain hasn't played for Three weeks, and they're still... I think, was he 30th? 30th <laughs> I heard the other day, he's making, I think, $2.3 million this year. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, must just, look around the league. Right. Like, you know how when you're at a job, and I'm sure people can relate to this, and you're like, hey, really, that, that guy makes more than me? Like, all the work I do, and that guy makes, you know, and, and that guy makes 3% more than me? Desmond Bain must look around the league and be like... I'm pretty good, and everybody in the league makes more than me. What is going on? He's making what? <laughs> uh, all right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, we'll go behind enemy lines and get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers perspective on Sunday's matchup between the Cardinals and Bucks. Uh, Rick Stroud, uh, the reporter for Tempe, the Tampa Bay Times and the host of Sports Day in Tampa Bay, will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray, in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Wolf and Luke. This is Behind Enemy Lines. Gathering intel on this week's Cardinals opponent from Inside Enemy Base Camp. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Your retirement is on the clock. Execute your game plan today by visiting canvasannuity.com. Okay, Cardinals, Buccaneers on Christmas night. Second straight year, the Cardinals are playing on Christmas night. We've talked about the Cardinals. We really haven't talked a whole lot about the Buccaneers, K-Ray, other than Tom Brady. So we can get some insight on the depth of the Buccaneers beyond just Tom. Rick Stroud, of uh, a reporter for Tampa Bay Times and the host of Sports Day in Tampa Bay, joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Rick, thank you for the time. How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Good, doing good. Um, all right, let's. I guess let's just start with with Brady. Or right, let's let's go big picture. How much of what everybody is saying about the Buccaneers and the struggles they have had, it always seems to get pinned just on Brady because he's Brady. How much of it is him, and how much of it do you think is the roster around him? Well, I mean, he's part of it, obviously, and he was a big part of it this last game. Anytime you you know you turn the ball over as a quarterback uh, four times in about eleven plays, um, you know that's that's not what you can do and win. And he, you know, the first eleven games, I think he had four turnovers. The last three, he's had seven. Now every turnover has a story. There's pressure. There's sacks. There's you know. Um, Guys getting hit as they're throwing the ball, so that that's all part of it, right? Um, but but primarily, they've just sort of had this uneven season where 
there's been a lot of new guys, new faces in and out of the lineup, um, have a tough time keeping guys healthy. Um, certainly the offensive line has been the biggest uh, cause of, of some of the problems on offense, and injuries are factored into that too of late. So it's never one reason. Um, certainly the quarterback's going to be the focus, and especially when you're 45 years old, and can he still do it? And, you know, quite frankly, Tom Brady won uh, – most of these games in a two-minute situation or a lot of these games coming down the stretch on his own um, with help from his receivers, of course, but, you know, he's he's managed to do that. So, um, you know, he has, has he played as well as he did the last two years? No, um, but there's been a lot of reasons for that, and it's certainly not all him. So, Rick, the, the first question for you, uh, and this is Kevin Ray, is uh, were you one of the people that reached out to Gronk when he tweeted out, I'm bored? Uh, <laughs> as, as he was on with Kay Adams this morning, said that two teams reached out uh, to him, but uh, he did quickly clarify that, that no, he's he's not intent or looking to, to return to the field, at least this year. But uh, you, you wrote a piece in, uh, I believe it was in t- today's paper for, uh, you know, talking about Bruce Arians, the former coach, now overseeing the operation and still high on this team, talking about, uh, look, just go win the division first and then we'll we'll line up in in the postseason. What, what are the realistic odds, even if this team does win the division, of making any kind of noise in the playoffs? Well, I mean, there's this precedent for this, and, and you know, a lot of it, again, depends on the health of the team. I think the teams that go the deepest in the postseason are ones that are either getting healthy or are very healthy. When they won the Super Bowl, the Bucks had virtually no injuries uh, to the offense, especially on the offensive line. And so uh, that was those guys have been together for a number of years, and, and they were able to stay healthy. Kansas City came in with five new offensive linemen, and the Bucks chased Patrick Mahomes around for 500 yards. So the first thing is the health of the team. But if you're asking me um, if the Bucks were to win the division – and let's let's be honest. They've only had seven division titles in the history of the franchise. Yeah, that's okay, what, that's what's um, that's forty six years. <laughs> so you know to sneeze at it because oh they're going to be nine and eight or what? God forbid they're eight and nine. Look, that's happened before, right? It happened in Seattle when New Orleans went in, you know, as, as a Super Bowl champ almost and, and got beat. It's happened in Carolina when they won a division seven and nine. Um, in Arizona, uh, you know, was an upstart team and they lost. So, um, it's, it's not unusual for a team that wins a division that, that, you know, seems to be, you know, sort of the, the, the easier of the, uh, of the division so champs. And, and then, you know, they get, they end up winning. And, and I mean, I just say this, they're likely to play Dallas. Okay. Let's think about Dallas for a second. Last two weeks, they should have lost to the Houston Texans. If the Houston Texans were able to hang on and then Jacksonville beat them, but not only beat them, but they, they piled up 500 yards on their defense. Yeah. The Bucks beat Dallas in week one. I know it's not week one now. Um, but do you think there's any pressure on the Cowboys to win a playoff game? They have to come in on the road and play Tom Brady because when, when you get to the postseason, everything else is out the window. Right. Um, it's how you're playing, and it really it's how you handle the pressure. Is there a guy that can handle pressure in the postseason better than Tom Brady? I've not met him. Talking to Rick Stroud, uh, Rick, the uh, the defense for Tampa Bay, the past defense has seemingly been pretty good, actually, for the Buccaneers this season. What, what would you say is the strength of that defense? Or, And I guess maybe the flip side from the Cardinals' perspective is, is what's the weakness that uh, Trace McSorley can try to exploit on Sunday night? 
Well, I mean, Trace is uh, fortunate because rookie quarterbacks, as you know, have done pretty well making their first start <laughs> against Tom Brady, um, of, of late anyway. Uh, and I'm speaking about the guy with San Francisco. I think, you know, they've given up some rushing yards. I don't know how well the Cardinals can run the football. Um, but, you know, if uh, – Indom- I'm sorry, Indomitable, I'm a year ago. If Vita Vea can't play – and he is uh, looking like he won't. Um, that's a big chunk out of the middle of that defense, right? And so, you know, you've got Akeem Hicks, but now you're bringing in lesser guys than Vita. Um, that makes it possible to run the football on him a little bit. Um, their secondary is, is a little beat up. We're not sure if Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be able to play. He's a real key because he comes down in the in the slot. And he makes plays on the run game. He makes plays in the passing game. He can They can blitz him. Uh, he's a key piece. So, again, health of the team, um, you know, they're without one of their top corners. Jamel Dean is not going to play in this game. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunding stepped in and did a nice job last week, but he's got to do it again. So, you know, there there are some yards to be made uh, on this defense. And, you know, the, the biggest problem is is that their offense has hung them out to dry. You know, last week the Bucks came out, played probably one of the best first halves they ever. They played all year. They were up 17 to three, were up 17 to nothing to the two minute drive, and you know they had 20 minutes of time of possession. Well, you turn it over all that time, you put your defense out there. They held up a little bit, but eventually they were on the field for 20 minutes in the second half. So it's really just based on whether they can protect the ball and how long they keep those guys out there. But it's a good defense, but it's still beat up. They're still uh, missing some pieces. So really, um, there's you can you can attack them a number of ways. Um, it's just whether or not they're they're stranded on the field because their offense isn't producing. Talking to Rick Stroud, uh, Rick, I guess big picture for Tampa Bay. What's the thought around there as far as the quarterback situation next year? Is it as simple as, hey, Brady comes back? Is it Brady retires? Is it if Brady goes somewhere else? You know, what's the plan at that point? Well, the plan would be, I think, similar to what it was going to be this year, which is who's the free agent market? Uh, Look around there, and if that doesn't excite you, um, Kyle Trask, who's somebody they drafted now two years ago, hasn't been active for a single game, is going to get an opportunity to see what he can do. And, you know, Blaine Gabbert, who's 34 years old, um, has been in this offense for a number of years, would probably compete with them. Beyond that, um, tell me who's available. You know, does Derek Carr fall out of, uh, somehow fall out of Las Vegas? I mean, they will look around. Obviously, because it worked out for them with Brady. There's only one Brady, but they would look around the free agent market. Um, but beyond that, they have a young guy here that they want to find out about. And, um, you know, they, they're, they're salary cap strapped. Uh, it's going to be difficult to sign free agents. Brady would cost about 30 something million dollars against the cap, even if he doesn't play. Um, you know, so you're not picking in the top five or the top 10. Um, you're probably not going to draft a quarterback or be in range to get one of the elite guys. So it would be a very difficult proposition, but free agency and then, you know, see what you have in Kyle Trask, who's been on a you know bit of a, of a uh, you know, mentorship, if you will, from Tom Brady for a couple of years now. There's worse people to be mentored by, I guess, if you're going to play quarterback. Rick, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you, and have a great Christmas. Thanks, guys. You too. We'll see you out there. All right, thank you. That's Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times and the host of Sports Day in Tampa Bay joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, the Suns have a tough matchup tomorrow against the Memphis Grizzlies. How concerned are you with this team's depth moving forward, or are you concerned? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray, in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
the show. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray is in for Wolf today. She talked to Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times last segment. He pointed out Vita Bay seems unlikely to play in this game on Sunday. So. Nor will Endama Yeah, That's true. <laughs> that was um, great. <laughs> if, uh, if Vita Bay doesn't play, oh, that rhymes, then uh, I can't even say it with a straight face. That would slightly increase the Cardinals' chances to win a game. How's that? <laughs> slightly increase. <laughs> we, our poll question, honestly... From 3% to 6%. <laughs> our poll question, honestly, today, I, I, I don't know what it is on Arizona Sports, should honestly be if you are a Cardinals fan, do you want the Cardinals winning in these last three games or not? Because this is... Right. This, this, you, you've reached a point that, obviously, you know, nobody, nobody wanted to be thinking this or yeah. having these conversations, but you have reached a point, at least from a fan's perspective. And look, even from an organizational organizational perspective, you you are surely torn because you still want to put a winning product on the field um, at home in front of your, your, you know, your home fans and everything. But when you project ahead, as we've talked the last couple of shows about the future of this team, what does it look like? Boy, a top five pick sure looks and feels a lot better than something Picking below like that. Ninth or something, Cons- yeah. Considering the just rough, ugly, tumultuous season that you have had. It's been such a bad season. It's not just, hey, we're not winning as many games as we want. It's been such a bad season top to bottom, and it's the NFL. There's no lottery, so if you have the third worst record, you get the the number three pick. I don't know. It'd be interesting just to hear what people think about that, because I know some Cardinals fans are like, no, I want to see the team win, especially if I'm going to the game, and I get that. In fact, that's typically the camp I would be in. Uh, Over to the Suns, playing Memphis tomorrow, who you referenced earlier as a team, obviously people need to keep an eye on and um, not just keep an eye on like, hey, it could be tough in the playoffs. Like they, that, In a wide open season like this, that's the sort of team that gets to the title. If you look at the last two seasons, you had Boston not come out of nowhere in the East, but be a team that I don't remember anybody before last season that didn't live in Boston or Newton or wherever out there in Boston. I don't know any of them that were picking the Celtics to make the finals last year. Just like the year before with the Suns, we were all, I think, a lot more optimistic going into that season. But I don't remember a lot of people saying going into that season that the Suns were going to make it to the NBA finals. They were decent and they had upside. And that's sort of what Memphis is right now. As far as the Suns, and by the way, the, the Suns will play Memphis tomorrow. And Denver on Sunday. Those are the top two teams in the Western Conference. Oh, this is awesome. You know, this nice little relaxing holiday <laughs> weekend. holiday cheer. <laughs> <laughs> and then you travel like the entire continent for like half a month, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, the depth on this team, the game the other night against Washington brought this up because Chris Paul got hurt for a second, and you're like, uh-oh. And Landry Shamit went off in that game. So as we sit here on December 22nd, I know things can change, but K-Ray, you're, you're more qualified to answer this question than most. How confident in, are you in this team's depth right now? Like how far down the bench do you go and you're like, I'm, I'm good with that guy playing in a, in a meaningful playoff game? Um, well, I, I will say this, that w- as a result of all the injuries, and I do think that this was kind of part of the the plan, the vision for, for Monty Williams and the coaching staff, which was expanding your bench in games, uh, expanding playing time for guys that might not only get minutes, you know, unless it, it was a, a blowout. 
one way or the other. Um, so we've gotten to see Dwayne Washington Jr. in Miami, you know, go off, get meaningful minutes in, in games, you know, not just the last three minutes, but playing an entire game, playing way more than his season average. So we've seen guys in certain situations, which I've always felt like gives you at least a a snapshot of like, okay, I could see him handling playoff pressure. Um, just the pressure of the game itself, the magnitude, but then also teams pressuring you defensively. How are you going to handle that? Can you get your shot off? And for me, that is, and we saw this exposed last year with the Suns, um, who can get and create their own shot? Yeah. Yeah. They're, the list is short That's on this team. And that's a tougher thing to trade for. You know, you come into the season, you're like, hey, we got to get a tough, tougher, you know, guy like to, to replace Jay Crowder. Okay, you know, that's you can do that. You can get a guy who's going to come in and bring an edge. You got to be careful. You don't want to bring the wrong edge into your team. You can get even a backup point guard for Chris Paul if it wasn't working with campaign. I think campaign's been pretty good this year, but he's also been hurt now, so who knows? But as far as like a, we need a guy that can create his own shot. And if Devin Booker is missing shots in the first quarter. The game doesn't just end. You know what I mean? Like Wolf and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago when they were going through that really tough spot. Okay, let's say Devin Booker comes out first quarter of a playoff game and he's just not hitting his shots. The problem in the the Dallas series last year was just like, well, nobody else can hit a shot. If you can just hang around, Devin Booker will be hitting those shots in the fourth quarter. Well, you just got to give him some time. Bradley Beal the other night. Yes, exactly. He was abysmal for three quarters. Yeah, and the reason that they were in a position even after leading by seventeen, giving up a 17-point lead, trailing by 10, is because of some dude named Kyle Kuzma. They also had Monty Morris, also had Will Barton, two guys who played for a very good Denver team a couple of years ago, yeah. two guys who can get their own shot. Um, now, the other night, not a great example because of the injuries, but look, that version of Landry Shamit is what we've all been waiting for. And when I say all, I mean the coaches and his teammates included. You give me that version of Landry Shamit, and I and I say we have a lot less questions. Yeah, yeah. Sign me up because the one thing I've always said about Landry is he will play defense. He's a good on-ball defender. He's rangy. He's physical. He'll fight over the top of screens, which is what Monty and this staff, you know, calls for them to do. But and we touched on this yesterday. Landry's biggest enemy sometimes is what rests between his ears. He fights himself to unleash what he can fully be. And it has nothing to do with Monty putting any kind of handcuffs on him or his teammates giving him a side eye because, man, why did you take that shot? I don't remember an NBA team where so many players were like, shoot. Right. Like, all they do is tell each other to shoot. And that's why they give him the side eye, not because he takes a shot, but because he passes up shots. Yeah. Like, dude, you just hit two in a row. The shot clock is winding down. Why did you pass the yeah. ball? We don't need Bismack taking a three because he got the ball with half a second left. And, and there were a couple of instances the other night, even though he had hit, I think it's at that point, six threes, where he passed up a shot. He's got to break past that. Because if you are going to win a playoff game, you know the teams are going to trap and run doubles at book. Yeah, he He has shown that he will more often than not, make the right decision with the ball. 
The question is, is the guy that he's passing the rock to, can you take that next step? Make either make the shot or at least make a move to take the shot. Now, I know that the guys in the morning were talking about Mikkel Bridges. We touched on Mikkel a little bit yesterday. Mikkel scoring obviously has been a little bit up and down. The the benefit, and again, I'm, I'm a glass half full guy, but even in that Houston game where, you know, shot an abysmal worst shooting performance of his career. But because Book wasn't there, because they were shorthanded, he was required to keep shooting. Yeah, you have to shoot your way out. And of there's it. a certain mentality if you've never been that guy that you have to like break through and go <sighs> I know I've missed eight in a row, but I got to shoot again. I know I've missed nine in a row, but I got to shoot again. And EJ talks about this all the time. Like, man, you you have to have that quarterback or cornerback mentality. Yeah, I, I just threw three picks, you know, on the last four possessions, but this next one's going to be a touchdown. So I think that that has helped kind of educate Mikel a little bit. Uh, we've seen him add layers to his offensive game, but. The other night, I thought, for an example, it, it, it's another situation where he's not there yet because without Book taking some of that defensive attention away, Mikel and the other guys are finding how much harder it is to get those little creative angles. Yeah. So that that would be the concern for me as I look at this Suns bench. You know, if a campaign's healthy, yes. If I get this version of Landry Shamit, yes. Dwayne Washington Jr. is another guy that can create, but still a very young player, still a lot to learn in this league. Uh, so I, I, I like the depth, but I like the idea of adding more quality playmaking depth. Well, and, you know, if you add somebody and then this would be a lot easier if Cam Johnson was playing right now, but if you add somebody and Cam Johnson just goes off in the second half, okay, this is the guy, this is our number two scorer, well, big deal. Then you have a number two and a number two B. Like, that's fine. <laughs> if you're going to win the title, the the more the uh, the merrier. To your point real quick here on Mikel Bridges, that game where he went four of 24 against Houston, the next game, so two nights later, 11 of 18. 27 points against the Clippers. Right. One of his best games of the season. Yeah. So. And M- Monty had a great line. He's like, we had to get a forklift for his lip, you know, because he was because he was so low. I was like, <laughs> I can't even imagine Mikhail frowning like that, but uh, apparently it happens once. Well, and you know, on this team, I'm sure they just all, nobody said anything, right? Four of 24. I'm sure Devin Booker didn't bring it up. I'm sure none of, I'm sure Chris Paul never brought it up. I'm no. sure they were all totally respectful exactly. about it. Exactly. All right. When we come back, episode six of Hard Knocks dropped last night, and the Cardinals, we get a little more insight on them, uh, how they approach the last game, and you know what's going on now going forward into the matchup with Tampa on Christmas Day. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kevin Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.